Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the Mountain Swire podcast here, talking Boise State, Oklahoma State, one of our mini episodes where we chat with uh, some those who are more familiar with the opponents than I normally am. It's a good thing, so we get some good knowledge. We have Scott Wright joining us from the Oklahoma. Check him out at Scott Wright OK on Twitter. So, first off, man, thanks for hopping on to talk some pretty big game this week. Absolutely, man. Excited about it around here, that's for sure. It should be. I saw the uh, stripe out going on. Is it really going to be black and white for what Gundy pulled out the other day? <laughs> <laughs> it will actually be orange and white, but uh, but that was uh, that was at least a creative way to uh, – but but you would, you don't expect anything less from Mike Gundy, especially if you've been uh, been covering him for a while. Of course, you, uh, not. you know uh, you know there's something interesting going to be coming. So he always has something going on. So the point of this, obviously, just to know who the Cowboys are and everything. So they've played it's just two games. It's playing not the best competition for non-conference play. So gives a quick overview, like who are they with two games in, even though they've kind of won pretty easily South Alabama and their FCS foe. You know we've uh, we've seen uh, some offensive production of, a, of at a pretty high level. The numbers have been good. The um, the the coaches haven't necessarily been pleased with everything. There've been some uh, some some glaring errors that have stuck out to them. Uh, you know some uh, some throws that Taylor Cornelius, their their new starter at quarterback, a fifth year senior, former walk on, uh, getting his first shot at this job. Uh, you know, so he's had some uh, some early season jitters that they're hoping are uh, are, are going away now. Um, the running backs had a little bit of trouble getting going. Really, it was more the offensive line uh, really kind of struggled with South Alabama, which was a, a little bit of a surprise. Um, and and they had trouble running the ball, but South Alabama was really loading the box. Uh, so it was a little bit of a numbers game there. So um, you know, even though they've been putting up some some crazy numbers offensively, as as Oklahoma State offenses typically do, uh, they really haven't been all that thrilled with uh, with the way things have gone uh, through two games against against some lesser opponents. So um, you know, still some question marks there. Um, a lot more question marks on the defensive side, where we really haven't seen this new defense of Jim Knowles get tested yet. Um, they've done what they're supposed to do against Missouri State and South Alabama, but uh, but we don't know what they're going to do when an, an, an offensive line uh, comes up and hits them in the mouth, or uh, uh, you know different things that uh, that a physical uh, and an experienced team like like Boise can do. So um, that's uh, that's the big question, really, uh, in my mind going into this ball game is uh, what does the Oklahoma State defense look like? How do they react when they uh, when they, if they if they get beat uh, you know pretty badly on uh, on some plays by by Brett Ripon or, or whoever it might be uh, with all the uh, the weapons that he's got around him? So um, those are the big questions that uh, that Oklahoma State brings into this game. All right. So speaking of that, with the we know Oklahoma State always it's always points, and this game could be a shootout because that's what Boise look they put up sixty plus on UConn, but again it's UConn. They're not anything special. We both know that. Is this a game where what the Big 12 typically does, it's a lot of points that this is more familiarity, even though it's a, a different, obviously not a Big 12 team, because they're used to playing lots of points for Oklahoma, play, TCU, teams that score a lot of points. It's something that's like, okay, we've kind of 
been there we expect to kind of know how not how the game will turn out but they know it's gonna be like maybe 60 70 80 combined points in this one yeah this is not a team that uh, that, that gets uh that gets overwhelmed by a shootout absolutely not so um you know if it's going that way they're going to be in their comfort zone uh to an extent um you know obviously the defense uh of jim Knowles, so they're not going to be too excited with with uh with that but uh but but uh, this isn't a team that's uh, that if they give up 40 that uh, that is, uh, is is terrified of, uh, of of you know getting blown out. Um, but uh, but that said, they still they, they still have those questions that I pointed to. They've still got an, an inexperienced quarterback who hasn't uh, you know hasn't had to you know face a a second half deficit. Say they get down by 10 in the in the in the third quarter, they don't know how he's going to react in those situations, things like that. So. Um, you know they uh, they are, are completely comfortable with uh, with this being a shootout like a lot of people expect. Um, I think I think Boise State might be a little bit more physical than uh, than a lot of defenses in the Big Twelve. Uh, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be something a little bit different. There are a couple of uh, of places like TCU and Kansas State that, uh, uh, that that like to get physical on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, but more than that, it's you know mostly uh, teams that are are focused on trying to get lots of speed on the field. So um, I think that that's going to be a a, a big test. Uh, for for this Oklahoma State uh, offensive line in particular, as I as I mentioned, the struggles they had with, with South Alabama. So, um, you know that uh, that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting question. But uh, but I think Oklahoma State is definitely prepared for a shootout. Yeah, you score forty, they'll put up forty five or fifty, maybe. See how it goes to get the wins. Right. So speaking of quarterback, like with the Taylor Cornelius. Is there any chance that you say he's a new starter? He's been there for a while. I know we're familiar with Drew Brown who made his way out there from Hawaii, but he's probably not going to play or hasn't played it all yet this year. Is there any sense of moving to a – not say it'll happen, but you say he struggled a couple picks so far this year, offensive line not doing great, not protecting him at some point. Is he the guy for sure? Would Gundy maybe – oh, let's – like I said, maybe they're down 10. Maybe there's – something's not going as planned. They could switch to the second quarterback there. Or are they going to strictly – he's our guy. We're going to ride through it no matter what happens. You, you know, it's uh, it, that remains a, a really big question around here. That's something that we really don't know um, because you know the ideal situation for Mike Gundy uh, with Drew Brown, even though he is a grad transfer, he still has a redshirt year available. And if they could manage to to play him in four games or less and bring him back next year, uh, that would be their ideal scenario because he right now he is their second best quarterback. There's that's that seems pretty clear based on uh, on the conversations that that we've had with everyone. Um, but like you said, he hasn't been in a game yet. Obviously, he's got plenty of game experience from Hawaii. He started 22 games out there, played in 25 overall. Um, so he's not uh, he's not like a true freshman, but um, but he hasn't been out out on the field in this uh, this Oklahoma State offense yet. Um, so it's uh, it's it's yet to be seen. He only arrived in 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 Stillwater in late July, so he didn't even have the benefit of the summer to uh, to try to get familiar with uh, with you know some of the terminology and and things like that that they can do in seven on seven team led workouts. So um, you know it's yet to be seen what direction Mike Gundy will go if uh, if things aren't going the way that he expects for Taylor Cornelius. Um, that said, he has uh, he has said. Um, you know that this they they need to be patient with Cornelius. He, he, they've got to give him some time to uh, to find his footing, to find uh, his comfort zone on the field. And um, you know after after Missouri State, uh, where he, he you know missed some really wide open throws, 
the the type of throws that uh, you just don't see Oklahoma State quarterbacks missing. Um, you know, he really minimized his errors against South Alabama. He had one, uh, you know, interception that uh, that the coaches described as unforgivable. You know, first and goal, throwing into double coverage in the end zone when when you could have easily thrown it away or uh, or scrambled and and got a couple of yards. So, um, you know, other than that, he really played a lot better in in his second game. Uh, now, if he if he gets out there under the bright lights and uh, in a big, you know, game between yeah. two top twenty five teams, and really starts to, uh, to to panic and doesn't look comfortable, um, you know, it wouldn't it would not surprise me to see Mike Gundy uh, go to the hook and uh, and bring in Drew Brown if he feels like like he can uh, like he can make an upgrade with a guy who has uh, has played a lot more uh, a lot more games than uh, than Cornelius has. Yeah, I was curious about that because it's the same thing. Look at Fresno; they brought in Marcus McMarion mid-season, almost mid-season last year, like before week one. Nothing happened. Can't practice. Can't really do too much. Knowing everything, it's still pretty limited. So it's not sort of similar, but I know how it is. Where they're not hanging around the team the whole summer, or spring, where it's like, well, how much do they really know, or how much they pick up within that abbreviated time frame? That's always a question. But with the quarterback situation, let's go to the running back really quick with Justice Hill. Like, I, he's very good last year. He had, what, 14 touchdowns at 15, almost 1,500 yards. Are the first two games, just because they're playing the lesser competition, more people getting the ball, to why he had the one huge run and that's about it? Is it just kind of spreading around, or are they still expect him to be a guy who get 1,500 yards running the ball? Yeah, by the end of the year, they they fully expect him to be uh, to be right back there at, at that production level, if not more productive. Um, one of the things, uh, you know, South Alabama, like I said, they really crowded the box. And um, and Oklahoma State was having a lot of success throwing to its outside receivers, and uh, and South Alabama just sort of let them do it. So Taylor Cornelius goes and throws for 428 yards. Has two his two outside receivers both go over 130 yards, yep. and uh, that's what was working. So that's what they went with. Um, you know, Mike Gundy wants to over the course of the year keep Justice Hill's carries limited. He wants to make sure that he's fresh at the end of the year, and so uh, you know. This week is one of those games, and I'm, I'm actually planning to write about this for Saturday's newspaper. That uh, that you know, this is this week is the reason that that Justice Hill had ten carries in the opener, mm-hmm. six or seven carries against South Alabama, so that he can go out and get twenty five, and you know, through three weeks, then he averages fifteen. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, long term, he wants to he wants to be able to, to save him for moments like this when he really needs them, and uh, because they they feel this is one of the best running backs in the country. And he is absolutely their most dangerous player when he's got the ball in his hands. So they're going to do what they can to uh, to get him the ball this week. You're going to you're going to see 20 plus touches, uh, you know, mostly in the run game. But he'll also line up wide, line up in the slot, uh, you know, catch passes out of the backfield. So they're going to do a lot of different things to get him the ball this week. And uh, I would uh, I would not be surprised to see him in the in the 25 to 30 touch range. Okay, let's see how it goes. Because I know Boise is getting David Moa back in there. He didn't play last week. It's like he's like a, a, a rock back there. It's just huge. So that'll be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, I forget why he didn't. Play. I don't remember why he played. But he's like what, 280, 290. Just one of those guys who just kind of let me just be the nose talk and put, hopefully push somebody around. So that'll be interesting right. to see what Hill can do against that line. Um, Let's switch to defense really quick here. We don't need to make this extremely long. I think – you can tell me if I'm wrong or not or your thoughts on this. I think the edge in this game could be what the Boise defense brings because I think it's probably a little bit better than Oklahoma State's for what they've done historically in this past so far. And it's only two games. Troy's – they're a good, pretty good Sunbelt team, but nowhere near Oklahoma State. No, UConn's just garbage, I'll say it. <laughs> not very good. <laughs> what do you see from – like on Oklahoma State's defense against his Boise offense? I think the Boise defense points will be had. 
where they'll give up a lot of points this game because Oklahoma State will find a way to get something done. Can the Oklahoma State defense maybe find something the same way to stop Alexander Madison running the ball, Brett Ripon throwing the ball down the field to the multiple receivers he has? What do you, what, how do you think that matchup could play out from Oklahoma, Oklahoma Cowboys defense to this Boise offense? You know, there, there are two things that really stick out to me about it. Um, number one, I'm curious just how physical the uh, the Oklahoma State front six can be in this four two five defense that they're that they're running. Um, they're they're not huge uh, in that uh, among those six guys with their two linebackers. Um, they're uh, they're really based on on getting speed on the field, and that's what they try to do. Um, they've got some solid defensive tackles and 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 a couple of strong defensive ends, um, but uh, and they're and they have a lot of veterans in that group overall. Um, but uh, but but Boise is is a really physical team, and we haven't seen them against a physical team yet. Uh, the next thing is that uh, Oklahoma State is really young in the secondary. They've got uh, they've got two true sophomores. Starting at uh, at two of their three safety spots, uh, they've got a senior who had been playing linebacker the last two years, and uh, you know slimmed down and, and lost uh, lost about ten pounds and is playing a, a free safety type of role in Kenneth Edison Magruder. Um, you know, and then they've got, they've got cornerbacks who were uh, are young but were uh, sort of um, sort of thrown into the fire last year and and really kind of came out of it as much better players than they were at the beginning of the year uh, in AJ Green and Rodarius Williams. So. Um, they're, they've got some talent back there. They just don't have a ton of experience. This is only going to be their third game in uh, in this defense, and uh, and there were this the secondary is a lot uh, a lot different from what Glenn Spencer ran as a defensive coordinator a year ago. Um, so there was a lot of learning to be done back there. He uses his safeties differently. He uses a lot more press coverage from his cornerbacks, and uh, and so that was uh, those were a lot of changes for the, for that group to make. Plus, you factor in that uh, that you've got two true sophomores, one of whom one of whom only played special teams last year, didn't even really get on the field at safety. Um, and then backing those guys up, you've got two true freshmen Uh-oh. and uh, and and some and some uh, you know other older but inexperienced guys. So they're they're really young across the board. Um, you know, in their, the the ten guys in their two deep in the secondary, there's three true freshmen, a couple of redshirt freshmen, and some uh, some other guys that uh, that really just haven't played a lot in their in their careers at, at Oklahoma State. Ooh, that could be could be an interesting matchup to see because I see Brett Ripon where Brett Ripon can have some really good games, but then we kind of kind of met kind of joke around calling bad Brett Ripon when he has like a couple picks here and there where he just kind of falls apart. Where it's just like, what are you doing? But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. That, that's it's just uh, we've noticed that for the past years, and I'm still maybe I'm bitter because of them playing coach artists and wanting to bring in the Kansas who Montel Cozart to Kansas transfer. Let him play a few carries. Right. I'm like that was we don't need going down that road, but that was kind of an odd situation. When he's the guy, it's like he's the quarterback, <laughs> but he still's had hiccups like most quarterbacks do. But when he's if he has like a pick or doesn't play very well, it seems to kind of just not snowball, but doesn't he? It's hard for him to rebound a little bit from what I've seen a little bit where interception here, bad pass, three and out. I don't know if it's something he's thinking about, but that's always something I look for. If he starts off a little poorly, it's like it could be a long day. So well, we'll see how that goes. And that's uh, talking to the Oklahoma State defenders yesterday. They uh, they they discussed the the uh, the idea, not specifically anything that you just addressed, but they talk about wanting to get in Brett Ripon's head, and uh, that that being one of the things that that, that they want to do to uh, to sort of disrupt his plans and uh, and and maybe not have him thinking quite as clearly all the time and kind of wondering. You know where a blitz is coming from, or or uh, where a guy is dropping into coverage, things like that. 
All right, so let me um, – if people Boise comes to town, kind of wraps up real quick, um, what should they do when they go to Stillwater this weekend? If they're traveling right now, what's something you say, hey, go check this out either before the game or after because this is a mid-afternoon kick? Yeah, you know, um, there are a, a couple of uh, local places that are really well-known around campus, Eskimo Joe's being the uh, mm-hmm. the, the most popular. Um, there is a uh, – there are uh, – uh, a few other places in town if you're looking for some uh, some good mexican food when you get down to uh, to this part of the country there's a place called el vaquero that's a little outside of, farther away from the stadium uh, at eskimo joe's you're gonna have long lines long waits tons of osu fans around you get out to el vaquero a little farther away from the stadium you'll be able to uh to to enjoy yourself and relax a little bit more um if there's any uh any big wrestling fans that are uh, that are coming down this way i'm not sure how big wrestling is in uh, in in boise but um the uh, the uh national wrestling hall of fame is uh, is right next to uh next to the football stadium and and, uh, and has some uh, some pretty cool stuff there so um you know stillwater is a, a unique town it's a it's a small town it's uh you know halfway between oklahoma city and tulsa and um you know not uh, not really your your big city type of place but uh uh, still plenty to do, and um, you know they've got a lot of uh, a lot of new stuff that they're that they're doing in the stadium this year. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of you know better vendors than than just your typical uh, stadium hot dog and uh, and and chips type of thing. So there's good food in the stadium. They're selling beer in the stadium for the first time this year. Um, you know, obviously the, the the new big screen is a is a big uh, a big topic around here. Not because it's so huge. I think it's like the eighth biggest in college football. But it's literally less than thirty yards away from the field, which makes it feel just massive. So, uh, a pretty cool in-game experience for the Boise fans who are coming down to Boone Pickens State. Should be fun. I know one guy. I think he's from Nebraska, driving down. I think Friday, send down there to make the trip that game. So, trying to maybe a little shout out for him, like, hey, listen to this, see what to do. So he's probably been planning for months. There you go. And what's last thing here? What's your kind of uh, outcome for the game? How do you think it'll play out? Uh, you know, I think that uh, I, I think that the, you know the point spread tells you uh, everything you need to know. Uh, you know, it's right at uh, I haven't looked at it today, but it was in the three to three and a half range uh, favoring Oklahoma State, which uh, you know typically uh, in Vegas lines that's what a home field advantage is worth. Uh, so it's uh, this is a, a you know it's it's a wash. This is a a toss up game in my opinion. Um, you know, I think uh, I think that Boise's physicality is is going to be difficult. I think their uh, their veteran experience on defense is going to uh, to make things tough on Oklahoma State. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the pick the Cowboys because I think the home field advantage is gonna is gonna help them out. They're gonna have the the striped stadium uh, really loud and rocking, and I think that that's going to uh, be able to get them over the edge. But um, I I come in fully expecting to see a game that could go either way. And could come down to one or two plays at the end that uh, that decides it, and uh, I'm expecting a good one. Yeah, me too. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see a 40 to 10 or some blowout. I guess if your yeah, team, if, exactly. whatever team you're going for, that's good. But it's like I want two top 25 teams, teams battling right. for to move up to maybe top 15 or somewhere in that range, a couple spots to maybe make a case for something bigger than this one particular week. It's just I want good football, and I, I think you're right. It's going to be like a one possession game between like two, you know, three to seven points, something extremely close. That should be, absolutely. I just want a good one. So everyone, um, first off, thank you, Scott, for hopping on here. Check him out on Twitter at Scott, Wright, Okay. The Oklahoman. Um, also was it news. Okay. Sports as well. The other Twitter handle. So check out all that stuff for this yes. weekend. Any previews you have on Twitter. So I did a podcast. So how is How do you pronounce? Isn't it? It's Nevada. Correct. I saw that Twitter. Was there a battle over that <laughs> yes. or something? Yes, it is. Uh, we have a, we have a guy from Nevada, 
uh, who is uh, my my partner on the OSU beat, and so uh, we started talking about uh, about the western part of the United States, which is how that uh, that discussion came up. But yes, go check it out and listen to our podcast, and uh, we have a lot of fun on there. Yeah, listen to that because we when Nevada played Iowa State, there's a town I guess called Nevada, Iowa. And so there's a big deal about that a couple years ago. It's like, all right, let's get this straightened out. So, yeah, go listen to that as well and just check everything out. So I hope we have a good game. But, Scott, thanks for hopping on and hope it's a good one this weekend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.